Hi, everyone, and uh, welcome to Soapbox Breakfast, a podcast to get you ready for Ray Salt Lake game day. Today's match starts sometime in the evening. It's on FS1. Whatever the kickoff time is, add like 25 minutes because MLS matches never start on time. We're joined today by this Motley crew, not the band. Uh, and let's just uh, everyone introduce yourselves all at once or one by one. Three, two, one. Hi, hey, my name's Trevor. Nice. Beautiful. Yeah. That was good. So we are joined by uh, most of the full complement of Soapbox Breakfast. So thanks, everyone, for joining. You're let's, welcome. Uh, let's talk soccer. We had our social hour before recording because this is not an episode of Off the Crossbar. That's right. We'll save that for next week or whenever we record after what happens tonight yeah on fs1 at 8 30 kickoff is at 8 30 8 30 that's what it says i'm not gonna get to bed till like three no it's <laughs> it's in seattle so yeah, i mean well, you're about, it, depending on, on how, you, how it goes you'll either get to bed really late or really early so that's true uh Fight and win <laughs> you know yeah, you guys remember like that, that guy? <laughs> you can't do that. And make you guys me, remember that like, guy? I, yeah, yeah, no one can think forget that. Every single time I hear that. All right, so uh, let's let's ask some questions here. Uh, my first question for you all: This is something that came up today. Freddie Juarez, noted Seattle Sounders assistant coach, uh, said that you know he's studied the you know he knows the the tendencies of the players. So the question for for you all. Is just Freddie Juarez being on the Seattle bench make a difference at all? And uh, Ian, why don't you kick us off? <laughs> okay. Uh, I was like, Ooh, where's it going to go? This is like a roulette. Uh, <laughs> so I, I, I think that that's kind of, I mean, honestly, like kind of just gamesmanship. Like, I think e- even the most casual observers can look at the way the team plays and pre- have a pretty good understanding of how they want to play and what their weaknesses are. So uh freddie may more maybe you know maybe be whispering into new who's ear like offensive things to say to rubio rubin to like get in his head i'm gonna but, stop you there because new who is out for health and safety protocol coming back from his national team i'm on i've been on the new who roller coaster and i missed that thing because it was like he's injured he's coming back anyways um joao paulo okay he's gonna tell joao paulo the noise that drives rubio rubin crazy and about that's about the only thing he can do because for better or for worse, the team has played two styles all season and every player, everyone kind of knows what they do. It's just a matter of they're better at it than you are sometimes. So anyone disagree? No. All right. I guess that's fair enough. <laughs> I, no, really I don't disagree somebody. at all. And I think that, uh, I think Freddie being at Seattle was more beneficial to us in this game than it would have been had he still be the coach right now, to be honest. Um, which, yeah, <laughs> and I, I, I don't just for the fact that we've that we beat Seattle under Pablo uh, somewhat recently. I don't know. I, I, I'm very not optimistic for the game. Um, I felt a lot of this season that we were playing with house money and based on how we got into the playoffs, I feel very strongly that it feels like we're just playing with house money at this point. But that quote from, was it Christian Roldan who was saying that? Who was saying that they're learning all the secrets from, 
f- from Freddie. I don't know. I like. I it, thought it was a quote from Freddie, but yeah. Anyway, it no, was. It was a player. It, it was okay. from. Uh, yeah, I think it was from Christian Roldan. But anyway, he was like saying, "Oh, he's been so helpful because he's telling us all this stuff about, like, I don't know what type of what, cologne what Justin you- Glad wears or something <laughs> like." The kinds of things that get under the player's skin. Justin yeah, Glad is 100% Freddy a brute knew- guy. I just want to go on record. Justin Glad is a brute guy. Sorry. <laughs> yeah, I was thinking more like a Le Labo type of guy. I don't know. But yeah. yeah. Real quick. Can I just read the tweet? Yeah. Uh, so oh. both Brian, meaning Schmetzer, and Christian Roldan talked about how valuable Freddie Wars has been in preparation for RSL. Being able to highlight the uh, uh, tendencies of their players uh, and know how to get them frustrated. Big advantage having him plus playing at home. Yeah, it's probably more to the playing at home thing and on turf because uh, if Freddie Juarez knew the RSL players so damn well, then why didn't he get better performances out of them when he was the coach? But hey, man. Roasted. Yeah, all right. <laughs> there we go. Got it in there. Um, yeah, I mean, whatever. <laughs> Just that is game gamesmanship, like Ian said. I'm not saying that like – RSL is poised to win this game because I don't think they are. But if RSL lose, it's not because Freddie Juarez went to Seattle and attributing anything to that is both a it's disrespectful to Seattle, which I don't know. Maybe actually we should lean into that a little bit, but it's also just lame and makes me annoyed at the whole situation again with him doing what he did it is funny to hear seattle fans perspective on that though because like they are very like nonchalant about like i mean yeah like he he just left uh like for a better opportunity with a championship level side like i don't know uh, like what's the big deal (laughs) like i love the way they like worded all that as if i I mean again to do that mid-season is just is comical to me but yeah very weird all right so my next question for you all Will Pablo Mastroeni put out a three-five-two again, or do you think he's back to the four-two-three-one on a more permanent basis? Trevor, what do you think? I was hoping somebody else would go first. I don't know. Um, the from what we were told from the last game, it all kind of hinged on whether or not Silva played. Right, that's that was part of the reason why they went back to a four-man back line was because Silva played. So I feel like if Silva's healthy, he should be playing. So maybe they should go to a four. But Pablo loves this three-man back line thing so much that I don't think he's he he almost admitted that it was that it wasn't working, that it wasn't the best thing when he went to the four-man back line. I don't know that Pablo is capable of saying that two games in a row. I feel like Pablo has kind of lived or died by the three man back line this season. And I think he knows that that's what he kind of staked his job on uh, this season. So I feel like he's kind of has to do that again against Seattle to, we got the win against Seattle with a three man back line. So I feel like he's, I'm leaning like 70, 30. We see the three, five, two more likely than not, but I also, hope that they pull out the four-man back line because that's clearly the better option. Well, I was told that the four-man back line was a master class and tactical genius. So It was, it was that as well. <laughs> but my, I think my understanding around Silva is uh, Pablo said that he was healthy to play but wasn't didn't have the legs to go in a three-man yeah. system. So... 
who knows if him being you know being a couple of months on or a couple more weeks on from that injury they feel he's able to yeah that's a good question system yeah. i i kind of think he's gonna do the four two three one to start i i mean the strategy is i think the strategy is sound i mean you, you can't you can't expect to go into seattle on turf at like for a playoff game and boss the game with a three, five, two, I like, there's no way. And with, I mean, they were missing a couple midfielders. Is that who, who they're missing in the game that RSL won at home? I can't, I think Christian Roldan didn't play that game. If I remember correctly. Yeah. There were quite a few players missing in that one. Specifically players in the midfield though, that made a big difference. I think Yeah, that um, was the game that they started like their two 17 or 18 year old, like homegrown kids. Yeah. And I think, uh, yeah. So I'm not expecting anything like that game. Um, and I don't think RSL by any means is going to be controlling this game. I think I honestly, if you're, <laughs> I, I, I think you approach this game in a similar strategy to the, to the sporting Kansas city game. If, if I were, if if it were me, I I don't know, but Pablo is a little nutty sometimes. So maybe he's just going to be extremely bold. He really is very unpredictable in in that way. So I could see it really going either way. I would just kind of more hope um, that we lean toward being a bit more uh, defensive minded because I don't want to get blown out in that game. If it's close and like we, can squeak one out at the end like we did against sporting kansas city that would be sweet but um yeah i don't know are any of you guys going to the game sorry that's i'm not the panelist or i'm a panelist not the question asker you can ask all the questions you want okay cool i was talking to my coworker today and she is going she uh she flew to seattle tonight and she was um and we were talking about like just expectations for the game and she was just like i mean I think that at least for her and the group that she's going with, everyone's just like pretty stoked to go see the last game of the season. It's been like a few, it feels like it's been like three weeks since we played. I, I don't, I don't know how long it's actually been. Um, it's fun to go see the last game of the season. I, expectations are still pretty low. Um, the Freddie stuff makes it a little different, I think, but be a fun game to go to. I think uh, first round of the playoffs, if we get eliminated in this, in that situation, pretty uh pretty acceptable <laughs> but hey i don't know crazier things have happened i suppose so we'll see so i just i want to jump back real quick and touch on sure. something before we move on to this uh that game at at the rio tinto was also stefan fry's first game back and yeah. through almost the entire game he did not take any goal kicks because he still wasn't sure that his knee could handle goal kicks oh that's which caused a whole bunch of problems for the referee which was frustrating for me but that's a whole different thing it caused problems for the referee in what way so they were doing uh you know what we do in youth soccer where if my goalkeeper can't do a goal kick yeah he makes a short pass to a center back that plays it forward but they were they were standing like a foot apart from each other Mm. and so crylock would be on the edge of the penalty area and as soon as fry would touch it he would run in but the referee didn't see the touch and so he kept yelling at crylock for to coming into the box too soon. okay and so in the first half we were you know th- section 35 we were looking right at it and i could see it happening and they did it like three times and the referee kept yelling at crylock about it so i think it's important that like not only like as much as awesome as it was to see us beat the sounders earlier this year like 
they were missing a midfield and their star goalkeeper had just come back after a long rehab on his knee. So that's not necessarily a good, that's not what we're going to Seattle to play, I guess is what I'm trying to say there. Yeah. It, like, I mean, honestly, I, I don't know how you really play a three man back line against uh, Joao Paulo, Rui Diaz and Jordan Morris. Uh, that, that worries me. <laughs> so, uh, I mean, just overall, I would really hope that we go with a four-man back line. But yeah, well, it feels like Seattle is getting healthy at a really unfortunate time for RSL. And yeah, if they if all those players are you know near a hundred percent, like a three-man back line just gets shredded. Like, well, and I, I I would hope that the value of the three-five-two experiment would be that the team, depending on who's available and who's fit, can come out in a four-two-three-one and swing to that 352 if the opportunity is there and then drop back but in order for that to happen you you have to have like this perfect combination where Silva has to be able to hold center back uh Herrera has to be fully fit Brody has to be fully fit and Glad has to just keep his wits about him because I think I think it was actually uh in your interview with the Sounders Matt that you kind of talked about uh, sounder at heart sorry not with the sounders with sounder at heart that you talked about how sometimes glad would go forward and it would seem like he didn't know when he needed to recover and so that's going to be important is as those swings change glad needs to know okay now it's time for me to hold because i am the center back or now we've swung and i'm playing on that wing and that's what i don't trust this team to be capable of doing because like we've had the personnel to do that, to play like a four man back line at times and then switch to like a three man back line. Like we've had the personnel to do that in the games when we've been playing a three man back line and we've never done it. The only times that we like make that kind of change or that kind of defensive shift or whatever is like through a substitution where the formation like obviously gets changed at that point. So, and that's without going off on the tangent, that's what frustrates me the most about, or not the most, but one of the things that frustrates me about this three man backline thing is we're playing with the same players that we definitely can play a four man backline, but we don't. And we can't find the times when switching to a better defensive shape would benefit the team. You know, like we haven't done that at all under Pablo. And it seems like it's a really easy thing to implement into the game. Um, that's just not happening. I've got this like this feeling that I cannot get over that this team and honestly it would have been pretty well suited if we we're going to change formations to try something diamond related. <laughs> because like I mean we honestly have pretty decent personnel to give the diamond a shot if like your two players on the side of or like just advanced of uh from the six are like Pablo Ruiz and maybe a more like who could be the, like the more defending player who could slot back to kind of be a two man defensive midfield when needed. And then your right center mid to be like a bit more of an attacking player um, that would allow Crylock and Rubin to be up top and Albert to be at the, at the 10. But I mean, I wish that would have, I would have, I'm just really curious what that would have looked like since the entire idea of the idea of the three, five, two was supposedly to get more um, focus on Albert, which I think was successful um but it's come at a cost and i think that if we had a formation that was a bit more balanced uh it would be less costly and maybe have a little bit some of the benefits but apparently it's one or the other and we 
there's no in between. There's no gray area. It's just all in or we get beat by six goals or whatever. So anyway, should be good. <laughs> Feel, feeling pretty good. All right. Overall. So let's move on to another question then. Sure. Uh, Lucas, this one's for you and then everyone else from there. Uh, what's your biggest source of fear and anxiety against Seattle? The three bag. <laughs> uh, I mean, it just, I think I agree with everything that's been said that uh, a four man back line is going to do a lot better. And I just feel like Pablo is really dedicated to this. And the game against uh, Kansas City might have been an exception, but. It just feels like he is playing a system that he wants to play regardless of the players he has. Uh, and that's concerning. That's probably my number one biggest issue with him as a coach. Um, so, yeah, that's probably my biggest source of anxiety. Kyle, what about you? I mean, it's really just whether or not we're that we're going to be able to handle their attack. Uh, because like when I see... <laughs> When I see Real Salt Lake struggle to handle like Cade Caldwell or whoever, or like a 90 year old Chris Wondolowski or someone like that, like when I see us struggle to defend against players like that, I'm just like, I mean, when Seattle is clicking, like there's a reason like that they were the best team in the league for a good chunk of the season until the Revs. Uh, got to continue playing against Eastern Conference teams enough times to to pass them up, and Seattle got injured. Like I, I mean, yeah, it's it's their attack is very concerning to me, and our um, defensive discipline from our midfielders is is con- is concerning to me. And I, this again, it's really going to come up. To, it's it's going to come down to the formation and what where those pressure points are going to be. Because I think if if the pressure points against their attack are on our back line, if it's, you know, Herrera, Glad, Silva, et cetera, like I trust those guys quite a bit. Um, but I, I mean, to, to some extent, but I, 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 if, if, if the pressure points are on, on them, when like, it's in transition or it's when we've turned the ball over in the midfield. And now there's only like two guys back or one guy back. Like that's where it can't be. The pressure point can't be on like one or two guys. If it's on our entire back line then we're in better shape. So yeah, it's really for me is just going to be, I think we'll get some chances. Um, I think they're going to be hard to come by. I think uh, Jimmy Medranda is back as well. Right. He was liking tweets about himself or whatever um sure was i yeah professional athletes like name searching or whatever or like interacting with tweets about them is just like it's not something you want to do in my opinion but whatever leave it to your entire extended extended family like aaron herrera um yeah anyway so i'm i'm chances are going to be hard to come by, but I think honestly, I'm not too concerned about our chances going forward. It's really just going to be holding that defensive line and the defensive pressure. And if we end up going down, we can always adjust to be more attacking, um, if we need to, but I don't want us from the outset to just immediately get crushed. And then we're just climbing, uh, the entire game and we're not going to be able to catch up. But anyway, yeah, that's, that's, those are my anxieties. Other than that, it's just, making sure I don't hear that come on Seattle fight and win guy because he haunts me. I want to hear him. 
Uh, Ian, what's what's your fear and anxiety level at right now? I I uh, what's the uh, the saying from Fight Club? Losing all hope is freedom, right? Like I don't like <laughs> that's awesome. I don't really like. I don't, and if that's not from Fight Club, don't at me. I don't care. Um, <laughs> I'm looking it up right now. I'll let you know. <laughs> don't at me. I said uh, no. I think I think is what makes me nervous. Like I mean. Ultimately, like my whole aspiration right now for the playoffs is it'd be really cool if the Western Conference final came down to Colorado versus RSL. And that's mostly just because it's reasonable for me to go to Colorado for that game. And that would be a good time to see friends that I haven't seen for two years and also watch soccer. Um, But I'm also like not buying plane tickets for that yet. So um, what makes me nervous about this game, though, is that Seattle plays a style that will tear lines of confrontation to shreds and RSL for in the four, two, three, one or in the three, five, two has not been able to hold lines of confrontation. And so we have had trouble clearing the lines. We've had trouble holding the lines regardless of what the formation is. And when you have Christian rolled on Rui Diaz, Jal Apollo, like those three players just in and of themselves are able to create movement that tears down defenses and, if your defense is kind of running around a willy nilly anyways, uh, it makes me anxious to see those players come out and be able to do that. Um, but at the same time, Seattle's not been as good on the counterattack and our, our inability to hold a line is because people like Herrera can play forward and make a, a big impact on the game. And so hopefully we can hit them on the counter, but it's going to be more important to hold those lines first and then worry about the counter. And I don't know. The team hasn't shown the discipline this season to do that. Hopefully they've had two weeks to learn that discipline, but that's what's making me anxious about this and the fact that it's on so late and I might stay up way past my bedtime. All right, Trevor, you're the last one standing. Okay. Um, My source of anxiety or a source of anxiety for me is I've noticed over the last several weeks, um, kind of throughout the season, but it's kind of been more pronounced in some of the games, uh, the last seven or eight or so games, a lot of the games, um, we tend to play mostly pretty well and we tend to get enough chances and we tend to get enough goals to win games, but we allow four goals or three goals every game. Um, so we're not winning those games, but in some of those games uh, where we do end up winning the games, a lot of it is not because our defense suddenly played well. It's mostly because David Ochoa stands on his head occasionally. And there are some games where David Ochoa isn't there, basically. They'll score three or four goals on three or four shots, and it just seems like David Ochoa is just completely ineffective and not part of the game. So I'm kind of worried about, ever since uh, MLS Soccer, somebody over there wrote an article about players who can break out this playoff season uh, or this playoffs. And uh, they mentioned David Ochoa. That's the thing that I've been worried about with this team is if Ochoa being the young guy that he is with no playoff experience, if he's going to take his first playoff game and stand on his head, or if he's going to make a couple mistakes or, or not be able to make the saves that he should be able to make. And if he's the guy that allows three or four goals on four or five shots, I mean, we're going to get, demolished against Seattle but if he's the guy that can take seven or eight shots on goal and only allow one or two of those like he's done a few times this season we've got a pretty good chance 
or at least we have a much better chance. Um, he, he's really the only player that I think has that kind of ability on this team to, if he's really good, we've got a really good chance. And if he's bad, then we're obviously toast. And I know that's easy to say about a goalkeeper, but I think throughout most of the season, it's shown that this team doesn't necessarily ride or die with Ochoa, but he's a big part of it. A lot bigger part than I think we've talked about a lot lately. So that's what I'm looking forward to. That's, that's my anxiety is that we've got a 20 year old kid and we need him (laughs) to play the game of his life. Yeah. But but it is entirely possible that he comes back in 2019 USL championship form and he blows kisses at someone and it turns into a brawl. Oh, and I please. am 100% here for it. Pretty please. That'd be the best. Like if they, if, they, if they thought that tackle on Gustav Svensson would be was bad, wait till Everton gets into a proper fight. Right. Like I want to see Everton hurt someone like that's, you know, if, if that's if that's where we're going to go. Let's end the season on a strong red and come coming to next year. You know, is Rob Strong commenting, commentating on this game? I hope so. Was it Rob Str- Strong? Rob Stone. Rob Stone. Sorry, is the guy. And the other one, Strong, is the oh. other guy. That they both you're, work for Fox. You're just too, mixing. Right? Your, you're mixing but your white guys. Either Twelman or who's the other guy that was actually upset about it? It was it was Rob Stone. Rob Stone was, was the guy who tweeted about it. He oh. said he never wants to see Everton in the league again. Oh, I think okay. I think Twelman was on the call that wouldn't stop talking about it. But Rob yeah, Stone was like the right. one that was like, "This yeah. should be banned in all of world soccer. He should never play again." Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I would just love to see. Sorry, I was just gonna say I would just love to see uh, the David Ochoa that kicks the ball into the stands at the end of the game. I would love to see Seattle's fans' reactions to that. Oh, and they've, they've got that big they've got that big like south end or whatever he's got plenty of room to, to aim for so <laughs> he could so hard just, enough he could put that in the literal <sighs> sound which would just <laughs> that's, a, that's a good point i'm just thinking about how annoying the discourse would be from sounders fans if he did that like it's just going to be a whole like i didn't know minnesota fans were as whiny as they were i know sounders fans are as whiny as they are a lot of yeah. times um but yeah just remember just remember just remember the internet's yours feel free to mute and block people (laughs) i i yeah i like i'm i've I've been very well behaved on the internet lately i feel like i feel like i've hit a layer of zen where it also comes from the fact that i've like worked my uh worked a ton and moved uh within that time and it's very easy to ignore twitter when you're very busy but um, sometimes, I mean, I, I just treat Twitter like a zoo and I like to just peep in and see how things are going. I like to see, uh, you know, the monkey swing from the little things. It's cute. Even if they start throwing poop at each other, like, uh, some of the sporting Kansas city fans did last week or 16 days ago or whatever. The last time we played was, <laughs> uh, for my part, I, I think the the one I the one fight I want to see is David Ochoa and the fight and win guy. Oh. All right, so oh, man, the on, fight I just the fight and win guy like developing an English accent after going to like Brighton for like two months is like my favorite thing about that or whatever it was. So like, I've spent some time with the real supporters in <laughs> the South Coast, and he sounds like it just complete like just exactly how i sounded so awesome really i own own a liverpool shirt does that count for anything do i get an accent now yeah Mm -hmm. uh, let's not get into that (laughs) 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 no i just just like that 
as soon as the conversation started talking about EPL, Matt's like, nope, let's not bring this up because then he my, has to my, reveal what team he supports. Oh, my we bingo, all know what team I support. My bingo card was just, I have to mention Liverpool, so that way I can see Matt like cringe a little bit after what <laughs> happened this weekend. So yeah. The thing about that, though, is like Arsenal has this, the youngest starting, had the youngest starting lineup in the league like over the weekend. So it's like, I mean, you kind of just expect certain things at a certain point so i don't know damn you know all right yeah, Matt, uh, what's the next question the next question and uh kyle you're going to start us off with this one what's giving you hope for this match what's giving me hope is that uh like it's kind of how we played against sporting kansas city um truly backs against the wall performance and i know we got a lucky break with the lack of handball being called but um i was pretty encouraged by what i saw that game and i thought that uh that the boys put in a solid shift when we obviously needed it the most i think that if we go in with a similar type of uh approach and that if we're able to control or at least mitigate like the pressure that Seattle's putting on us, I think we're going to be able to get ourselves in a chance to maybe, maybe steal some goals. So, um, <clears throat> and we've got like some, some good players on this roster that can, that are capable of special moments. Demir Krylock has a habit of doing cool things in the playoffs, um, that make me hopeful, but I mean, that's, that's about the limit of my hope is just, uh, a, a twinkling of a feeling that like something good could happen, but um, house money, baby. I'll still be sad if we lose though. All right, Ian, what about you? I don't, I'm, I feel like you're trying to bait me into starting with another quote, but it's the hope that kills you, right? Like let's get out of Ted Lasso fans. Uh, I don't know. Yes. I think, I think, I think, you know, the house money quote, like I think that's kind of what, you know, we all can kind of latch onto is the fact that like, we're a team without an owner and we've had little to no money and little to no kind of options. And we're in the playoffs, like by the hair of adjusting glad finger, like we somehow managed to make it into the playoffs. And so, you know, when, when someone has nothing to lose, they're the most dangerous. And so hopefully that attitude is carried through the team and not in a dangerous manner, but in a, a belief manner and they can go out and just, you know, it's, no one no one is going to well i can't say no one but i don't think a lot of people are going to be like really upset if rsl loses this but the sounders fan will be sounders fan base will be an open revolt if they don't beat us and (laughs) we have that going for us the pressure is is completely on seattle on this one yeah all right lucas what about you i think rsl has a really like fun and pretty dynamic attack um I think a lot of that shifted when Rusnak was moved back into like a creative attacking role. Um, he's, I, I would not have thought this at the start of the season, but I think this has been his best year in an RSL shirt. Uh, he's been, I think incredible with double digit goals and assists. Um, and then you've got, you know, Demir up top who always seems to deliver something special. Rubin, you can bring in wood. You have Menendez, Julio, Miram Chang, like there's a lot happening in the attack. And I think that is enough to where I don't think RSL will get a clean sheet. Like that would be a miracle, but uh, they have the ability to outscore a team. All right, Trevor, bring us home. I, 
don't want to be the big pessimist, but I'm finding solace and hope and nihilism with this game. Like, it's just with this whole season, um, at the beginning of the season, I kind of told myself that the season doesn't really matter because we don't have an owner. And at the beginning of the season, we had an interim coach turned coach that nobody really thought we were going to really do anything. And if we got to the playoffs, like that was a good season. And I feel like that's still where we're at. We got to the playoffs, um, even though it was just barely. And even though maybe we didn't necessarily deserve it, like we got to the playoffs. So from the beginning of the season where we, where I set the expectations, we met those expectations. So at this point, like anything beyond this game is gravy. And if we lose in the first round to one of the best teams in the league over the last five or six years, like, that's about right. Like that's the way of the world. That's the way things things go. So I'll definitely be stoked if we win, but I'm not holding out for a win. And like I said, like we, we met expectations. So anything after this point is gravy. And I'm, I'm happy that we get one more game. Um, but I, I won't necessarily be sad or downtrodden if we don't get another one. Like that's my, take on the season in this game like i'm not putting a whole lot of stock into it i just want to have fun and there's something like that like there's something comforting in an ending and i think that like the end of this season is is a is a chapter or like an intermediary chapter between two bigger chapters that's that's coming to an end and i don't know there's something that's like even though like we haven't really talked much about the ownership situation, but, uh, or who's coming in, but it seems like ownership, uh, is imminent and there's really going to be an actual change here. That's, uh, pretty big. So I think there's some solace in being like, you know, the season's over and we're moving towards something new and something different. And if that ends tomorrow or today, sorry, if that ends today, that's, (laughs) that's fine with me. I think, um, just based on like what you said, Trevor, like, I don't know things this season, the last year and a half, last two years or whatever, the last, since Deloitte became single owner, things just haven't really gone according to what the plan should have been. And, uh, this kind of feels like the final, like, this is the, this is the last part of this, of this book. And we're about to start a new one soon. And there's something, comforting in that to me yeah i agree all right i've got one last question for everybody <clears throat> is demir krylik in the t- oh my god t- <laughs> <laughs> oh no all right here's the real question uh is making the playoffs a success for this team and uh would a win again if it's if that's not near the bar um, and let's consider like a normal season. So let's pretend that there's no ownership situation and you can, you think about Freddie leaving, whatever, but, um, and if that's not the case, so if, if make the playoffs is not the success, uh, is a win against Seattle success. Does that mean it was a successful season or is that measured differently? And, uh, I don't know, whoever wants to go first on this one, just shout. I can go first. I, I feel like it's not a success. I mean, there's, I, I know, I mean, I kind of disagree with Trevor here uh, in that like making the playoffs is good, but they barely made the playoffs and like, that's great. 
that was a really incredible moment when Demir scored that goal, but it was off a mishit bicycle assist that just as easily gone over the bar, gone wide, whatever. Um, like that doesn't feel like, like building, like you've been building for that. You've earned that, like in a way they have, uh, they got it done. But I think my biggest complaint about this team is how many times did they blow leads early in the season? How many times did they like, I mean, I, I think it's, easy to argue that going to the three man back caused several goals to be conceded. And that translates in several games being lost in several places being dropped down in the standings. Um, this team had the potential to be better than it was. And it felt like they were a little bit like less than the sum of their parts. Uh, I mean, freaking Bobby Wood was a regular starter for the national team for years and he is barely seeing time and isn't being super impactful. Like I know he's had injury. He was out of form, but I think if the bar is making the playoffs, like that's way too low of a bar because owner aside, coach leaving aside, this team could have and should have handled business a lot sooner, done better in a lot more games. Oh, that's interesting. I mean, I don't I don't disagree at all. I mean, I agree, I I feel differently, but I don't disagree. Like I I can see like I, I think that's a perfectly valid viewpoint and I, I I hate doing that like, "Oh, if you'd asked me at the beginning of the season if you would made the playoffs at the end of the I mean, going into this year, I like the bare minimum was making the playoffs for me. Um obviously things changed, but I believed in the roster that we had uh that at a minimum, they should be making the playoffs. Um, I think is, I think (laughs) whether that's a success or not, I don't know this league. I'm more inclined to say this year it could, it could be, I got, I, I don't feel very strongly either way. I think if somebody thinks it's a success, I can see why they would see that. And I, I could see why I can see why Lucas feels that way as well. To me, I I'm, I'm, I'm happy that the RSL made the playoffs. I think that they uh, are about exactly, again, considering the coaching situation, et cetera. Uh, I think this is the minimum, but I, yeah, I, I don't know. I, I don't feel very strongly either way. And whether it's a success or not, it, I don't know. I feel like Trevor is about to yell at me. No, I'm not about to yell at you. I just wanted oh, okay. to. I just wanted to clarify when I said that like making the playoffs is a success. I meant like for this team in the state that they were in, which is bad. Yeah. To answer it, the, to answer the yeah. question that Matt asked, making the playoffs should not be the bar. So I I definitely agree with you there, Lucas. For this team being the situation they were like, maybe it's a bar, but generally speaking, making the playoffs isn't the the bar especially if you make the playoffs the way that we did where you just that moment felt like a success like it was a small success but yeah i think i would agree with that like it's not it's not the bar but yeah we should have we should have signed our ticket to the playoffs two games before that uh or if you're matt and on you're on the the sounders podcast uh sounder heart um it would have been like six games before that because matt kept saying Okay, well, not to go back again, but we got to go back one more game and one more game to like really set the stage of like the domino of failures that led up yeah. to it being requiring a 
Demir Krylock goal in that fashion in order to get to the playoffs. It didn't have to be that way. And so I think that's like what you're saying. Like, I agree. Yeah. Lucas, Trevor, like, especially like, yeah, uh, it's in the way that it happened. It doesn't, it really isn't a success because this team shouldn't have ever been in that position. But like the end goal was, I guess, accomplished based on the context surrounding this team. But anyway, yeah, no, I just think that like in order to have a successful season, you've got to set the bar higher than the playoffs because in MLS, like half the teams make the playoffs and it's it's not easy to make the playoffs, but it's hard to miss the playoffs. If that makes sense, like you've got to have a terrible coach, terrible players, a terrible season to miss the playoffs. Like we had one of the worst seasons in recent memory and we still made the playoffs like, you know what I mean? So making the playoffs absolutely should not be the bar for any team. It should be finishing in like the top four in your conference. I feel like that's how you can actually say we had a successful season. Um, So that's my answer to that question. Ian. (laughs) So I'm going to, I'm going to try to avoid opening a Pandora's box, but uh, no, the fact that that, uh, Lucas jumped into this before I could uh, kind of (laughs) gave me time to more spound on the hypothetical and my brain's just been spinning this whole time you guys have been talking. So I want to present like a couple different concepts. So, if you would have asked me on uh, Switches Tabs, um, April 24th of this year, if making the playoffs was good enough, I would have said absolutely 100% yes. Because I think all of us came into this season, or at least I did, and it felt like a lot of us came into the season 100% prepared to wear brown bags to every game because <laughs> it did not look like a promising year. Um, I think I, I, I may be missing things and I'm not going to go look cause I got my clicky keyboard and everyone will hate me, but like <laughs> it, it, it seems like we started the season. Um, Dokovic was coming in June. Wood was coming in June. Joni was still a rumor. Like, so it seemed like a team without an owner, a team that did not have money to spend a team that had not had any investment over the years and a team that was still for the most part working off of an assistant coach like and i've we've talked about my kind of my feelings about freddie and and kind of how i viewed him but he hadn't had an actual season yet and he wasn't going to have an actual season this year either just the way we started so given that idea on april 24th making the playoffs regardless of how we did it is 100 like i'm pleased as a pig and poo at that point now however we come out of the gate. We beat Minnesota. We, uh, let's see, we beat Minnesota. We beat SKC. We lose to San Jose, which is whatever. Two draws or three draws, another win. Like that set the stage as like, holy crap, this could be a good season for us. And I don't know if it was that whole, just everyone kind of doubted us. So we had nothing to lose and the team had that. And then once they got to the point where they were doing really well, all of a sudden they they got in their head about it. I don't know what really happened there, but it definitely like feels like now I'm back to where I was 2020, 2019, 
2018 and I think 2017 were walking backwards into the playoffs and hoping other people screw up to make it possible for us to go into the playoffs is absolutely unacceptable. So April 24th, Ian says, yes, this is a, this is perfect. Uh, November 22nd, Ian says, this is just kind of a damn shame that we did it this way. And that if we don't win this game, it's kind of a a wrap of a not good season. So I I think it depends on which Ian you ask that time, uh, you know, how I feel about it. Um, Like I think Kyle said, like, or, or maybe it was Trevor, like, half the teams make it to the playoffs. So the playoffs should never be the bar. Uh, and I just hate yeah. the fact that for so many years, it's been, you know, two games left and we're like, okay, well, you know, Vancouver has to lose and LA galaxy <laughs> needs to draw and yeah. we need to go away and win. And like, then we have maybe have a chance. Like, you know, Trey was posting the percentages almost like every game of like what our percentages were. And I hate the fact that we've had to do that so many years, but for a team that didn't have a bunch of players only had two center backs at the start of the season is playing with house money is playing with Tam or whatever other garbage MLS money they have. Like playoffs is a good result, but I wish it wouldn't have been this way. Yeah. All right. Well, I think that just about wraps it up. We're right at the 45 minute mark. So unless any of you had anything pressing to say, Here's your chance. Fight and win. Let's go. <laughs> Come on. Go Real Salik. Fight and win. Oh, stop it. Should we all echo it back as a podcast? Nope. That'd be great. Nope. <laughs> We're oh. not doing that. You, know, you could really just edit it, like do some weird, weird editing magic to make it happen. Oh, so it's all Kyle's voice multiplied by like a thousand? Yeah. And then follow with crickets. That would be perfect. Like you can call this out. Like you can have that joke, but it would be like... <laughs> Or we can just let the we can just let the listeners kind of you know imagine in their mind what it would have sound like because in my mind that's funny as heck. Yeah, that's true. All right. Well, thanks everyone for joining us today for Soapbox Breakfast. Uh, again, you can watch the match on FS1 at eight thirty p.m. Kickoff will probably be a little closer to eight forty-five p.m. So uh, when the match. <laughs> oh no. Well, and that's that's certainly one way to end the podcast. Right, and we. Do we know anyone that knows that guy? Because I feel like we must. I bet. I'm, sure, I'm sure we could figure out who that guy is with a couple of tweets or I, DMs. I, I, d- I definitely quickly. know somebody who knows him. That I dude looks like right. Neville Longbottom for real. No, yeah, um, real life. Sorry, Matt. Yeah, the game's on tonight. Right. <laughs> Eight thirty p.m. Mountain Time. FS1. ESPN seven hundred. And uh, yeah, we'll see you all for an episode of Off the Crossbar soon. And uh, we should do an off our uh, soapbox breakfast postseason panel in December when the season is finally over, because it would be nice to take an MLS. I mean, d- depending on how tomorrow's or depending on how tonight's game goes, like we could do this for every game and just descend into madness. Yeah, and that's that'd, right. That'd be great. Okay. Well, thanks all, and uh, have a lovely game day. <laughs>